lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota, and SixFootMama.com. This is Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling. Still Growing is a gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Still Growing, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Jennifer Ebling. Well, I want to start out by welcoming our new members to our Facebook group. It's called the Still Growing Podcast Group on Facebook, and even though it looks like a private closed group, which it is, all you have to do is go to the Facebook search bar, type in Still Growing Podcast Group, and then request to join. And once I verify that you're not a robot or a spammer, I will let you in the group and you can enjoy participating with new members like Jen McGinnis of the blog Frau Zenny. She's in episode 534 of the Still Growing Podcast. Great posts, great photography, really great person to have in the group. You can definitely interact with Jen. She'll be happy to answer any questions or comments that you might have about garden blogging, photography, uh, just gardening in general. She's a lovely, lovely contributor. Uh, And then we have welcome uh, Michelle Gervais, uh, Melissa Vickers, Deborah Cohn, uh, Shelly Cram, garden author Shelly Cram. She wrote the Gardener's Bible, and she will be in an upcoming episode of Still Growing, episode 549. And that was just a fascinating interview. Shelly talked to me about the gardens of the Bible, and this would be a great Christmas present as well. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a gorgeous book. And Shelly went through the Bible and found all of the gardening plants and gardens and uh, locations that had to do with gardening and put them all in a Bible devotional just for gardeners. It's just a beautiful, extraordinary book. And my conversation with her was so enlightening. So I look forward to sharing that with you. She's in the group as well. So if you have any questions for Shelly or you want to talk to her about her Bible, her devotional Bible for gardeners, that's where you can find her. Uh, Welcome to LaVon Hamelman, who uh, shared a picture of her garden in Okanagan Highlands in Washington State. Uh, Beautiful. It's cold up there. She's growing cabbages and other things, but she's in the group as well. Trisha Ackerman, Kathy Brown, and Elizabeth Cook. So welcome, you guys, and thank you so much for joining our group. You know, this is the place where I post all of the promotions and giveaways from our guests and our sponsors. So uh, for instance, last week's episode uh, featured Anna Thomas, and she is giving away a personally inscribed cookbook to one of our lucky listeners. So get in that Facebook group. Just look for Still Growing Podcast Group in the Facebook search bar, and then you can get in there and enter to win the uh, listener giveaways. And we've got a really, really good one in connection with today's show. I'll tell you about it in a minute. You know, uh, in that group, I also curate posts. And this week, I stumbled on an excellent recipe from Real Simple, one of my favorite magazines. I love magazines. In fact, I probably have over 30 subscriptions. I am a voracious magazine reader. I have plenty of time to do it when I'm hauling the kids around in the car. So I keep a nice stack in the van with me when I'm uh, waiting in parking lots for the kids. But I stumbled on this great apple pie recipe in Real Simple. And it's what makes it really cool is that you hollow out the inside 
of the apple and you put the ingredients inside the apple and then you put a little crisscross pie crust on top and you bake that. So it's like an individual apple pie. And we tried it last night and it is so awesome. The apple uh, cooks and then uh, we sliced it kind of like a pizza and it just falls apart and there's whipped cream and oh my gosh, you guys, it is first of all, adorable. And also very good. So give that a try if you're looking for something fun for fall. Uh, Apple season is upon us. And then I shared a very cool post from Shireen Shermer, and she had a picture of her third year sweet autumn clematis. And this thing had completely engulfed a garden arbor. And I mean, you can barely get underneath this thing. It it just swamped it. And I like to say that Sweet Autumn is one of those 80-20 plants in the garden. At least it is for me. And what I mean by that is 80% of the time, I am ruining the day that I ever planted Sweet Autumn Clematis because it's a thug. It ends up everywhere in the garden. And it's very difficult to get rid of. So I'm pulling it, I'm cutting it, I'm, you know, just raking it out of the trees and the gardens that it has found a home in. And then this time of year, this 20% time of year, I'm absolutely in love with it because it rambles through the garden. The pieces that didn't get uh, cut out earlier in earlier weeding sessions, and it's just glorious and sweet, and thus the name, Sweet Autumn Clematis. It's it's uh, white flowers, and I actually have it. It's climbing through uh, one of my uh, Korean lilacs, and Oh my gosh, it's it's glorious in there. It makes the tree look like it's having a second bloom, but really it's just the sweet autumn clematis uh, climbing through it and, and blooming right now. Well, I have to say, I am so excited for today's show, and Color Blends is giving away five bags of bulbs. And I tell you what, if you like spring bulbs and you like to have garden parties, this show is for you. So I reached out to three of my friends, Jen McGinnis of the blog Frau Zenny, Julie Thompson, Adolf of the blog Garden Delights, and then Susan Vollenweider of the History Chicks podcast. And she's also a columnist for the Kansas City Star. And I said, let's have the first annual spring bulb selection party for Still Growing. I want you gals to be on the air with me. And we're going to make our top five picks from two different catalogs. And that's exactly what we did. So in this episode, we're talking to Tim Shipper of Color Blends. And Color Blends is totally dedicated to optimizing the combinations of bulbs that you're putting together for a fantastic spring display. They have trial gardens where they're working with bulbs to see if they can set them off, kind of like fireworks, one right after the other. And they're putting the art and science of bulb selection together when they created the company Color Blends. People tell them all the time that they've taken the guesswork out of creating spring shows. And in fact, if you've ever had a situation in your spring garden where the bulbs that start coming up, the colors look off or they just clash, they don't look right together, you'll really appreciate what Color Blends is doing when it comes to packaging bulbs and putting them together in different groupings so that you can optimize 
and be guaranteed of a perfectly put together spring show. Well, in honor of our first annual spring bulb party here on Still Growing, in fact, it was so fun, we had to split it into two episodes. We have Color Blends episode today, and then our interview with Van England, uh, John Sheepers, is next Friday. So look for both of those. But together, they make up up Still Growing's first annual spring bulb party. And we've come up with two unique kind of fun ways to honor this really awesome episode package that we've put together. And the first is t-shirts that celebrate spring bulbs. And there are two options that I wanted to share with you. The first is a t-shirt that says hashtag team tulip. And the other one is hashtag team daffodil. Because as we were going through our party, we were laughing because it seems that people fall into one of two camps. And I know which camp Jen McGinnis is in. She is team tulip all the way. And then as far as Julie Thompson Adolf, she is basically team bulb. She's just crazy for, for bulbs. So uh, she'll probably get both t-shirts. And then Susan Wider is probably a mix of both. She could go either way. So uh, anyway, if you want to participate and have fun that way, go ahead and you can check out our merchandise for this episode. It's at Zazzle. That's the website. And all you have to do is look up Six Foot Mama, the number six, F-T-M-A-M-A. And you can check online to get one of those t-shirts. I think uh, the Still Growing Podcast will get, I think, $2 back from every t-shirt that's sold. So it's a great way to help subsidize the cost of the show. So if you like the show, you can support us in that way. And then the other thing that we're going to do is I'm putting together a blog post of how you can throw your own spring bulb ordering party at your house. So look for that. We'll have some fun ideas and things that you can try. Invite your friends over, have a spring bulb party. You could have a group together and throw the podcast on and walk through the catalog with us. You'll laugh, you'll order bulbs, you'll have a good time. Well, hello, Tim Shipper, and we've got Julie Adolph Thompson and Jen McGinnis and Susan Vollenweider here, and we are having our very first annual spring bulb party on the Still Growing Podcast. Welcome, you guys. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Hi. <laughs> well, let's, Hi, how are you? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've been so excited to have this show. It's been something I've been thinking about doing for a couple of years, and now that it's actually happening, I am just positively giddy, and we've been having so much fun uh, before the show picking our bulb selections from the Color Blends catalog. So that's where I want to start out. Why don't we start with our special guest, Tim Shipper of Color Blends. And Tim, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your connection with Color Blends. Okay. Uh, so I'm Tim Shipper. I'm from Color Blends. Um, well, I'm, I come actually from a bulb growing family. My grandfather, uh, from the Netherlands, so he grew flower bulbs in the early 1900s, and then uh, his name was uh, Nicholas Shipper, and then my father, Cornelis Shipper, emigrated here in, uh, after World War II, and he traveled around and sold flower bulbs to cut flower growers, people who buy bulbs and grow them for cut flowers, so he sold them to the commercial industry, and then I went on the road with my father for about a year or two and kind of decided I didn't want to do that. And I wanted to branch out into the landscape, and so I went on the road, starting to sell uh, uh, flower bulbs to uh, people who plant them in the garden. So, like cities and towns, or golf courses, and that's basically how the company started. Wow! Did wow. you did you have much of a learning curve, Tim? If you grew up in a family that was constantly talking about bulbs? 
Yeah, well, my father was talking about when he was talking to Bolts, he was talking to Holland in Dutch, so I didn't quite understand that, but I learned how to learn, slowly learned how to speak Dutch. And then he was talking to, you know, cut flower grows, but it was more of a business thing, not really kind of a horticulture thing. So, I mean, I, I was around the industry, I knew the connections, I knew the basics about it. And then eventually, uh, you know, I when I went into the landscape, and then I had to learn a whole new thing, and I basically kind of learned that, you know, as I went. Interesting. Why don't you tell the color blend story and then the unique value that you and, and your company bring to the market? Well, yeah, I, I kind of have to give credit. So when I first started, I used to look at the Rand McNally map. This was 30 years ago. And on the Rand McNally map, they would have little flags which showed golf courses. So I would try to go to a golf course and, you know, sell flower bulbs to them for planting it at their golf course. That was the first, you know, only place I could figure out where to go. I once went to kind of a high-end golf course where they actually had their own horticulturalist. And he said, hey, come on out here, check this out. And he had these beautiful mixed plantings. And I was like, that is really beautiful. I've never seen anything like that. And so I just started to uh, experiment with different combinations and started to doing, doing a lot of testing and uh, trialing and see what works and what doesn't work. And that kind of slowly became the idea of color blends, combining colors, combining textures, combining heights of uh, things that bloom together. So I'm trying to create some timing in the, in the springtime. Yeah, and you really trial these bulbs. I mean, you are working with them so that by the time people place their order and they get these bulbs in the ground, they have a display that really lasts and Correct. really highlights this combination of bulbs that you're putting together. Yeah, we do a lot of trialing. So we're do always kind of constantly. It's a little bit like barbecue sauce, kind of add this, add that. So we're constantly, uh, we're, con we're constantly, you know, trying different colors, different heights, different textures, different bloom times. And it's amazing when you plant it, you think it's going to work, but then in the springtime, one's a little too tall, one's more dominant than the other, one's too late flowering. You know, the colors was wrong. The color doesn't look right. American light is kind of stronger light compared to Dutch light. So uh, sometimes colors ah. lighter, like yellows, tend to get blown out. When you look at a yellow tulip in Holland, the color might be richer, but here it gets a little softer. So there's all these different factors as to, as to what works, and there's all these things that could go wrong. And even when you figure wow. out what you what you have, that you got it right, then you have to make sure that you have a good available supply of bulbs in Holland, that the quality of the bulbs is good. So there's a whole bunch of steps you have to get through before something can make it into your catalog. Yeah. So what you're doing is really almost in a way, uh, kind of a subscription. What I think of it as is it's kind of a, you know, you're buying this particular display, not just a single bulb, although you can buy a single bulb from your catalog, but this is really trialed in sequence so that everything comes off at just the right time. Correct. Correct. That the, yeah, it's a little bit like a fireworks display that the colors, you know, the boom happens at the same time as the color. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot of sequencing and timing of what we uh, put together. That's yeah. Correct. And then let's talk really quick about color because you've gotten to be masters at determining what colors go together when you're putting bulbs together. Because I think any home gardener that's tried to put spring bulbs in the ground on their own has had that event where they walk out in the spring and they're like, I did not pick that bulb. I know I did not pick that bulb. <laughs> and, and of course, well, you know, you did pick that bulb. So, <laughs> Well, we, yeah, we just, I mean, some, sometimes, I mean, it's just kind of what, what, 
what you call for. If you want just kind of, you know, strong reds and yellows in the garden, that can be just as fun as, say, soft pinks and whites. I mean, it's kind of where you place it and what you feel like, to be honest. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you put 100 red-yellow tulips, people might say, oh, it's red-yellow, that's typical. But in the right spot, it's great. Or, you know, we have one mix called Big Ups where it's all the colors, but it's not quite all the colors, but it's kind of controlled, and that's also can be fun. And then we also have, you know, if you want red and white, we've got a beautiful red and white combination, which... It sounds kind of mundane, red and white, but even I, when I see it in the springtime, it's it's nice. It's just nice. So it's across the board about like what people like. So I try sometimes I try not to get into what's uh, good and what's not good because you know in springtime it's kind of just so good to have fun. Finally, you know it's uh, it's spring. Let's see some color and have some fun. So purple and orange, you might not think it works, but it's pretty it's pretty exciting when you see it in the springtime. Yes. Well, and sometimes it's a shame that we order these in the fall because we're not in that spring frame of mind. You know, we kind of have tired eyes, I think, sometimes from looking at all the colors that we see in the garden and maybe especially when it comes to oranges and yellows because, you know, that's peak time right now. We're heading into fall. And yet, as you're mentioning, that is such a beautiful color combination in the spring. Yeah, I I think with this one thing, like uh, uh, I have customers you know, that love white. They want to do white garden. But if I talk to people from Albany, they don't want to see white because they just went through snow. They just went through snow Albany Yard. They just went through snow all winter. It's like, we don't want any white. We want some color here. So, it, yeah. It, yeah, it kind of depends what, where you're at and uh, what you've been seeing all summer long. It's, it's, yeah, it's a mood, actually. That's right. Well, let me go through the format for the show today. Um, I'm going to have each of my uh, friends here They've already gone through the Color Blends catalog, and they are going to share their top five selections. I limited each of them to five choices out of the catalog. They're going to, first of all, introduce themselves one at a time, and they're going to go through their individual picks in no particular order. And then after they say the name of, for instance, their first bulb, then we'll get Tim's color commentary, and then you can proceed to your second bulb choice, ladies. And then um, if you have a particular question that you want to ask Tim, this is your chance to ask him, you know, about maybe a site where you're planting, or if you have a question about a particular bulb or something else you saw in the catalog, that would be a sneaky way to get in number six. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I did. See, there you go. So um, why don't we start with uh, Jen McGinnis and Jen, uh, credit to Jen, Jen right away when I had interviewed her in a previous episode had said, we've got to do the Color Blends and Van England catalog. So she she's the one that kind of honed in on these are the two catalogs. So hats off to Jen McGinnis Frau Zenny. All right, Jen, why don't you start us off? <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. I am Jen from Frau Zinni, and I have ordered um, in the past from Color Blends and Van England, and I've been so happy with just the quality of the bulbs that I receive. And I can't tell you how exciting it is to come home from work and to find the shipping crate on my doorstep that says that there's spring bulbs inside. And I usually like tweet it or share it on Facebook. And I'm like, oh my God, it's here. But then I have to find the time to actually plant it. Because <laughs> I typically go a little overboard when I order. But I have ordered in the past the Big Ups and I've loved it. Um, there's so many great pictures I've taken with those. And then I think a previous year I did, um, it was like a pink and purple combination and the name escapes me right now. Pink and purple. 
Yeah. But there's Gemini two. I don't know what it'd be. Pink. I don't know pink. I don't know what it would be. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I if I come across it. All right. If I come across it in the the book here, I'll <laughs> okay. I'll jump in with that. But um, you know, given all given the prior experience I've had with the blending, which I love, um, I did pick a single color this year um, for one of my top choices, and that was the El Nino um, uh, tulip. Yeah. Because I had the ability to like to only get five last year, and it was like one of those like closeout things. Oh. I just found the other one. Sorry to interrupt you. But uh, it was Jack's, Jackson Jill. It's actually Jack red Jill. and purple. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was the one. Um, so anyway, sorry, back to El Nino. I only had five, and I loved this tulip so much, and I was looking for it. And I think it was just a one-off that my local garden center even had it because they had ordered it for a custom landscaping job, and then they had extra. So that's why there was only like five left. But I loved how tall it was and the color, and I just I couldn't get enough of it. So I was so happy to see that you were selling it in your catalog. Well, so that's like my number one choice. You said it's a single color, but actually it's kind of within within it. It's kind of it's actually highly variable. It stays within the kind of orangey yellow color range, but actually yep. within it, it's always changing. So there's actually you could actually say that no two El Ninos are the same. They're kind of close to each other. It's like I don't. Know. I guess snowflake it would be the metaphor, but it, it is one variety, but it has a variable coloration within the variety. It's actually yeah. uh, it actually is a I think it's a cross between a Greg Eye tulip, which from Kazakhstan, and a little okay. flower tulip, which uh, I think it was Mariette was a cross. So they made that that hybrid. That's what produced uh, uh, that's what produced El Nino. It's pretty good. Oh wow! The other thing that's really El, interesting. Yeah, the other thing with El Nino is it, uh, it's such a tall tulip that you got to make yep. sure that you plant it in full sun because sometimes if you have tulips that have partial shade, if they don't get enough sun, if it's a tall one, they'll kind of bend over. So you want to make sure they get full full on sun, otherwise they start to lean over and start to bend oh. in all different kinds of ways. So okay, yeah, that's kind of exactly what the ones I did did. They did that. Yeah, it's a good tip for the big for a big tall tulip with big flowers. Make sure they get lots of sun. All right. All right. That's good to know. <laughs> All right. All right. And then um, my other, my next one was the goose green daffodil mm -hmm. because that's another one that I've seen in the past. And I'm always like, well, I really like it, but then I'll go and order like five other things. But I'm like, this is the year that I'm going to get the goose green daffodil. <laughs> if, uh you think Goose Green is like uh, it's a poeticus daffodil from Ireland, I believe. And it's a kind of I think it's a cross between two poeticus daffodils. What's really cool about it is it's late flowering, and it's got a okay. It's got and it's got a really beautiful little fragrance. If you go down and, and lean into it, you can really catch a nice. So the poeticus tend to have this kind of sweet, perfumey fragrance, but it's really nice. It's like just a big. Pretty, it's pretty powerful poeticus daffodil if you, if you can describe it poeticus as powerful, but it, it's a it's a it's a beautiful, really beautiful. Awesome. Does it keep the fragrance when you bring it? Like if you cut it in, yeah. It if inside? you cut it, brought it in, yeah, it'll 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 perfume the room very lightly. Yes, it's really nice. Oh, cool. Good. Right. I'm on I'm on a good roll here. Okay. <laughs> so, given all that, I'm going back to the color blend tulip sec section, and my next choice is Maybelline. Because I love color, and um, like I do photography as well, and you know, in addition to the gardening, and I feel like 
um, I need bright colors to photograph. So Maybelline jumped out at me for that one because it looks like it has red and pink and orange colors. Yes. For, for people who don't know, these are known as lily flowering tulips. They are the flower, the tulips that have the kind of pointed, pointed leaves on them. And, uh, I feel I actually think they're kind of underused in the landscape. People mostly mostly want their traditional flower, but the lily flowers, they kind of have a little bit of a wild form to them. So they actually lend themselves well, also to say if you have a perennial garden, you just kind of just kind of scatter them through the perennial garden. And I actually did a planting where I kind of put them in grass and just kind of spread them through the grass, so they were just kind of popping up like wildflowers. And it's a, oh, cool. it's a pretty cool look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then you know it's pink. Pink, orange, and red. So it's, the colors really kind of jump out when when it's happening in spring, and it flowers later than most tulips. So it's kind of like one of the last shows in the springtime. So you really kind oh, of okay. send the bloom on it. And lily flowering tulips. I mean, I don't want to get into saying that they, you know, tulips come back. That's a whole nother discussion. But lily flowering tulips tend to perennialize if you if you do all the right things. They can come back a few years for you. So you just okay. just plant them and leave them alone and don't touch the foliage and they should they should come back a few times for you. One of my so. questions actually was to get them to come back. Um, I feel like like I've read that you're supposed to keep them in a somewhat dry area, and I feel like maybe mine's too dry because um, sometimes they. I mean, I know there's other factors at play too because I also have voles. Yeah. Um, that love to eat everything. <laughs> yeah. But I know, like, along my driveway, I can't grow bulbs anymore because all the snow that we pile on top when we're clearing the driveway will, like, rot them. I so I thought I had, like, the perfect spot, but I don't know. <laughs> I think the big, no, I think it, I, that should be okay. It's kind of when they're active, they can actually handle the moisture. It's when you don't see them when they're dormant in the summertime, when they're in the ground. Mm-hmm. If you say plant them underneath where you have annuals or you have irrigation and then the bulb sitting down there during the summer when you can't see it when it's dormant and then you're dumping water on it every 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 day, it's gonna rot the bulb. So okay. anything is six inches down. So bulbs really come from like mountainous regions where you have moist falls, moist springs and extremely hot and dry summers. So if you can kind of come to that if you can approach more dry in the summer when they're dormant and you can't see them. That's the best. Okay. That's the best situation, and you're in Connecticut, right? So you should have enough moisture. Yeah. Should have kind of the, the right moisture in the spring and the right moisture in the fall. Okay. I think the bigger thing is if you're plowing snow on top of it, it's more like salt. If, the, if they're salting the driveways and that you know there's salt in the snow and that gets into the where oh. that's that that's where some damage will be done. Yeah, you know, I totally didn't even think about that. But yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Um. Okay. All right, and then uh, I have another tulip pick because I guess this is the year of the tulip. Usually, it's the year of the daffodil for me. My other one was red yellow cubed. Okay. Um, I'm trying to find that one. It's like the same. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, These are the, um, like same color almost. Yeah. So we have like cube series, which is we pick uh, uh, from the same color. Like we have white cubed, yellow cubed, red cubed. You have an early flowering red tulip, which we blend with a mid-flowering red tulip and then a late-flowering red tulip. So they'll flower, like the first one flowers, say in Connecticut, it flowers early April, then the second one will flower mid-April, and the last one will flower late April and early May. So it kind of spreads okay. out the bloom time. I think with those, it's kind of, well, the red-yellow cube is kind of just beautiful. It's, it, those are all tulips with red with a yellow edge. 
and then uh, uh, what's kind of cool is the boom time is spread out. And I guess the other the one thing with those when you do it, actually only one third is blooming at a time. So you okay. kind of want to plant them a little thicker because only one third is happening if you plant it. If you're planting 100 bulbs, really only 33 are blooming at a time. And then as that one fades, another one starts to kick in. And as that one fades, another one starts to kick in. So you kind of have this overlapping sequence thing in springtime. Cool. All right. Well, the last one is a daffodil. It's the, I am going to have trouble saying it. Everyone. All right. The the Del Del Mesha. Ah. Oh, that's the only one. That one pretty, when we take orders on the phone, pretty much everyone bangles that one. Down the shelf. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to pronounce. D L N A S H A U G H. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. It's an English daffodil. It's really, it's kind of like, it's known as a double double daffodil. So it's kind of got a, it's kind of a salmon y pink double, but it's really large flowers and what's Sometimes key with double daffodils is when you have that big, large flower that the flower gets so heavy that the, basically the stem kind of just, basically the head just topples down and, you know, lays its head down on the ground. Delmichel actually has a large flower and it holds its head up. So the stem is strong enough and also the flower, oh, wow. kind, the flower kind of faces up. So it's got, it's got kind of all the good things that a double, double daffodil should have. It's got uh, strong, oh. it holds its nose awesome. on it. It can handle it. Yeah, so it's a cool, it's a cool one. Cool. Yeah, the color totally brought me in because, yeah. um, you know, you always see, like, the yellow daffodils. So this one with the white and the, the pinkish tune, uh, yeah. tone looks really, really nice. The ruffled, the ruffled, ruffled pink and white. Yeah, it's nice. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. I guess the other, maybe if you had any tricks for keeping voles away from voles. Um, I, I've read that, my... like, you could put oyster shells in with them, but that's, like, I think I've seen a lot. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> My favorite trick is uh, plant daffodils. <laughs> it really, I hate to, I mean, I, I mean, you shoot yourself in the foot a little bit, but if it's so much, I mean, it's already, it's it, it's work to plant bulbs, and then all of a sudden you're out buying oyster shells, and you're buying cages, and you're buying spray, and you're buying this. It's, at some point, it's like, you know what, maybe I, maybe I can't plant tulips. Maybe I just find one place where I can plant tulips, and I just do it there. And otherwise, mm-hmm. I got to I gotta go with daffodils because, yeah, daffodil, tulips do have, you know, the deer are after them, the voles are after them, the moles are after them. That being said, we sell millions of tulips, but you know, we want people if they're gonna if they're gonna plant bulbs, we want them to have a great spring result. So uh, don't underestimate the critters because they're they're pretty tough. So yeah, if you really want to do it, some people put like uh, what is it, the chicken wire along the top of the bed or chicken wire in with the bulbs when they plant it and then the tulips come up and grow through the chicken wire. I've heard okay. the oyster or I've heard the oyster show things, but I really think it starts to get you start to get a little crazy with all these different ways to try and protect it and even if you do it right somehow the, the critters figure out a way to get around it. So I am I, <laughs> so I don't I and then you know some people say, you know, soak the bulb in dip and then put the bulb in the ground, some sort of uh, you know uh, anti rodent uh Dip and but that kind of washes off once it's in the ground. Okay. So maybe another someone else might have a better explanation, but I don't have I don't have too much on that one. Okay. Right. Well, my my idea was to plant the tulips in my vegetable raised beds. Okay. So that way, 
it's kind of contained. <laughs> Maybe okay. I can keep a better eye on them. <laughs> That's good. That's perfect. That's my stuff. Thank you so much. No problem, Jen. Well, thank you, Jen. Well, next up is Susan Vollenweider. Susan, why don't you go ahead and share your top five picks from the Color Blends catalog? Okay. Well, you know, and I had my top five, and then I was just listening to Jen's and flipping through the catalog. I'm like, dang, that one's really pretty. You can change. You can change. I can handle it. No, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be sticking with it. Okay. Um, okay. Wait, first of all, I'm Susan I'm a columnist with the Kansas City Star and co-host of the number one women's history podcast in the world, The History Chicks. Okay, my first, I'm just a avid home gardener. I That's it. But Anyway, okay, my first selection would be Chiquita Bordeaux. I am sort of fortunate in that my jerky backdoor neighbor built a fence and it made me tear out a garden that I had before because he decided that he was entitled to part of my yard. Um, long and bitter story. But anyway, it required me to redo my entire back garden, um, and it gave me some... Uh, fence area that had previously been um, not used at all. So I have a whole stretch of area I'm just trying to build up now. So I was thinking for that, it's my kitchen window view, to start with uh, Chiquita Bordeaux because I thought it was just so striking from a distance. Yeah, it's um, double purple and double yellow. These flowers are kind of so big, they really are like peonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are known as the, yeah double, I believe, double early uh, tulips. I think what's key with these is make sure it's full sh- sunshine. Okay. Also, because they, they uh, there's two things that can happen if it's if they if you get a rainstorm and too much water sits in them, they tend to kind of lean over a little bit. So if it's in the sunshine, they kind of dry out pretty quickly and they kind of hold their heads up nicer. But uh, as far as like a blast of color, I mean it's. When you have a single tulip, you you have the single flower that you know takes up maybe a, two square inches of space. And when you have these double these double flowers, you're taking up like three by four. You're taking up like I don't know how, how many square inches it is, but just takes each flower just takes up just fills with color. So they're really it'll show up. It's pretty stunning in the garden. Okay, good because it's at the far back, and it's, you have to look at it from a distance. Let me ask you, how far apart are you planting these bulbs? You plant them five per square foot couple three inches the doubles you want to space a little bit more maybe three inches apart oh okay in general two inches apart something like that just give, okay give I, okay i i've been planting them too far apart i know that so that's good to know and in the same back garden area i loved the threesome okay <laughs> wow that's not a sentence that would be taken out of context at all um <laughs> uh the freedom um i like I just, that orange is that same back area, and I thought it would just pop. I have um, a bunch of, I didn't even know how to pronounce it, alliums? Alliums? Alliums, yep. Yeah, I have those back there, and this would be in that same kind of area. So I thought that would be really pretty. Freedom Freedom is is also kind of one of the sequence ones. It has an Mm -hmm. early, mid, and late, and all in kind of orangey-yellow tones. Mm-hmm. So it starts out with the kind of early orange, and then as that's starting to fade, this kind of big double orange-yellow uh, flowers, like a peony flower tulip. And as that one fades, it finishes with this lily-flowering orange tulip. So you get this real kind of probably have, I would say, about five, six weeks of color there. Wow. From okay. From start to finish, yes. So How close do you plant those? I know you were telling Jen. I would plant them a little tighter. It's kind of 
if you want kind of like this formal bed type planting, you can plant them yeah. closer. But if you want to kind of, you could also, if you have just, you could also create a kind of loose feel and spread them out. You could also open a hole up and plant like 10, like in bouquets in different mm-hmm. parts of the garden. So oh. there's no, there's no, it really depends on what kind of style planting you're doing. It's like, it's kind of a formal bed that you want to walk by, you know, on each side of your uh, of your walkway to your house, then you kind of plant them all together. But if it's a long stretch, then you maybe, you know, sprinkle them out through that long stretch too. So. Okay. And is that the same thing? No, the, no standing water area. Oh, always no standing water. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Always Not just a- good, good, normal drainage, no standing water after a rainstorm. Yeah, we get a lot of heavy rainstorms. I live in Kansas City, and we get really heavy rains in the springtime. But I have, I've lived here a long time, so I know where the water goes. Okay. okay. My next one was uh, Tom Poos. Okay. Um, a- I just love this. It just attracted my eye. Um, oh, God, I don't even know where I'm going to put it. I think <laughs> on the east side of my house, there's a full sun area that has uh, Binka, the you know, the ground cover. It's that purpley, um, and I thought that coming up through that would be just stunning. Really nice, kind of. Uh, it's got this kind of like soft yellow base, and then it's mm-hmm. got this beautiful pink top. So it's kind of it's a bicolor tulip. It's named actually after a Dutch pastry. So it's oh really? Pastry, and the pastry looks like that, yeah. So it's, uh, it it lights up. It's really pretty special the tulip. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, because it looked like it was almost like. Um, gummy bears lighting, you know, like when a, the light hits a gummy bear. It's yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, when the sunlight hits it, that's yeah. Yeah, and that's the what the spot would like. be getting. And I was like, oh, that's just stunning. Base is a soft yellow, and the top is kind of a, a, a pastel pink. Really, pretty cool looking Tom Poos. Really. Nice okay, one. good. Okay, good. I'm glad that. All right, you know, that... I, I keep saying they're they're all really nice, and they are actually. <laughs> there, I guess this is. I mean, she's like five. I'm like, oh, that'll that won't yeah. be hard. And then I'm like, uh, yeah. It's hard. So honestly, I don't usually order from catalogs. I usually go to um, my local uh, nurseries and get uh-huh. my bulbs that way. So this was kind of a different experience for me. Um, it was really hard. <laughs> you know, what? just it, yeah, you can't. Uh, you can't really do it all in one year. So just. You know, pick one, and there's always next year. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, try, yeah. You can't, you can't do it all in one year. Trust me. No, no. <laughs> well, I actually have um, quite an extensive daffodil display in the front of my house, um, and my final selection was another daffodil um, for that collection, and it was Casada. Casada is really nice, and I'm pretty sure it's early flowering, mm-hmm. and it blooms forever it is one of the longest since it blooms early it just lasts and lasts and lasts it's really pretty incredible you'll be you know even i'm amazed at how long it keeps going oh that's wonderful because that's like right what people would see it up close because yep. it's right in the front of my house and i thought that the delicate colors would so it's oh i love that that it's last a long time yeah they call it a, a split corona daffodil so basically it's kind of like it's kind of like a plate on a plate the, the no, it doesn't really have a pronounced nose Mm-hmm. Basically, it's got a big splayed, flat nose, and then the back is also big and splayed. So it's a, it's a known as a split corona. Yeah, really, just really beautiful, holds its head up. Just yeah. super, super, super daffodil. Okay, good. Excellent okay. choice. Um, I do have a couple questions okay. now that I got whipped through my five. Um, I was totally intrigued by the Red Crown Imperial. Okay. In the back, how do you use those? They're also kind of as accents in the garden. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, 
they can be a, a, a tricky bulb. First off, when you get them, people always call up and say, man, your crate stinks. It smells like a skunk. And the bulbs <laughs> actually smell like a skunk. It's incredible. Yeah, when, when they come in from Holland in uh-huh. the warehouse, it really, the, each, the palate of those things really stinks like a skunk. So they're wow. kind of used as, kind of as, uh, I don't know if you would say the bones, but they could be put through a perennial garden as, as just kind of, uh, uh, I mean, I'm not a landscape architect, but they kind of use them as for structure in the garden. Okay. So kind of like uh, uh, ornamental, uh, kind of ornamental looking. Uh-huh. You kind of sprinkle those also through a perennial garden, or you could plant a group of five together in one area and then a group of five together somewhere else. They're a tricky bulb. They're expensive. Mm-hmm. They, they, they can get comfortable or they can get not comfortable. So mm-hmm. you know, the first year they're going to do great, but after that, all bets are off. So uh, gonna get, you're going to get something fantastic the first year, but usually after that, we can't. So it's really hard for us to say that this is going to come back for you. It's like cut flowers. You're going to have it once. And pretty pretty much so, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and it was just totally intriguing, although I have to say the skunk-like smell is what turned me off of it. No, the flowers don't smell like skunk. The oh, they don't? Do. Yeah. Oh, the, I, don't, I don't believe the flowers give a, a skunky fragrance at all. It's really, the, 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 the I think it's just it's kind of a, not really much of a fragrance at all. It's the bulb that really gives you some. Gives you ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So once it's in the ground, you don't smell it anymore. Oh, okay, good. Well, anyway, I, those are just fascinating to me. They look like Dr. Seuss uh, flowers. Rock, I always call them punk yeah? rockers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and my last question was, um, what flower do you wish more people knew about because it's foolproof or extremely versatile or something, it's just underused in most people's gardens. Hmm. I, you know, I'm in the bulb business, so when I drive around, uh, I kind of notice that eight out of ten homes don't have any bulbs flowering in the garden, and I always wonder why. Mm-hmm. So I would say for durability and toughness and daffodils, why people don't plant more daffodils, and I would, uh, they're just, they're tough. Rodents don't touch them, deer don't touch them, animals don't touch them. I think the key is just to find a nice sunny exposure. You know, mm-hmm. never plant them on north exposure, never plant them on e- you know, eastern, plant them south and west and put them in a good spot where there's good drainage and some somewhere where you just leave them alone after they mm-hmm. flower, let them flower and don't touch the foliage and just let them be. Don't, don't do anything to them. To me, they're kind of like foolproof if you just kind of leave them alone. So it's a, for me, it's really daffodils. I mean, I love all the tulips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think lily flowering tulips are pretty spectacular. I think uh, the emperor tulips, uh, like we have one called Tang Dynasty, is really nice. But mm-hmm. uh, those would be the two that I would that I would. Uh, that's what I would recommend. I mean, okay. cro- crocuses. Well, crocuses they, they can be tricky because the squirrels like them. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, really, daffodils. I would that would be the thing to plant. Okay. Well, I agree with you because I just love my daffodils, and actually, I have them on the north side of my house. But it uh-huh. it gets. It gets southern sun, so okay, all right. Yeah, it, yeah it, it is sunshine. Make sure they get that. that oh yeah, there's full sun. Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the hardest part is just waiting for those that foliage to die off. That's the, to... that's the thing you you got to get over that. Yeah. You know, oh, I know. I put foliage... in the whole I put in a whole stuff in front of it, so yeah. I'm the only person that has to look at it. That foliage is next year's flower. If you I know. I know. That's what I keep telling myself. Flower. Yeah. yeah. And it well, can go. It so can go and for ten, ten. You know, all of a sudden it's still ten weeks. You're into July, and I still see daffodil foliage hanging around. It can last. 
Oh, oh, yeah, it definitely yeah. lasts. Yeah, okay. there's no question about that. Okay. Well, thank you. All right, no problem. I've actually decided to move something. Now I want one of your selections because <laughs> because once you said that it looked like the gummy bears, I was like, well, I really like gummy bears, so now I have to look at this one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, my like, gosh. So now that that page is now folded down in my cabinet. <laughs> next year, next year. <laughs> well, I don't feel sorry for any of you because I had to order last and I got to see all your selections. So when I was making my picks, I'm like, oh, I can't pick that. Jen's already picked that. Oh, I can't pick that. Susan picked that. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, next up is Julie Thompson, Adolph of Garden Delights. Julie, take it away. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. I'm really excited to talk with you all about um, spring bulbs. I'm Julie Thompson Adolph with the blog Garden Delight. I'm a garden writer and photographer. I do some work with horticultural clients and just with gardening in general, and especially spring bulbs. Spring bulbs are just, oh my gosh, it's like a kid in the candy store when I start getting the bulb catalogs. I get a little giddy. So my first one for Tim is that um, I love, love, love Mira Mira. We have a really shady kind of dark garden, so I like to try to add some pastels to lighten it up a little bit. And Mira Mira, the tulip, is just beautiful, really showy, and I think it's really going to brighten up my garden. Tim, what do you think about Mira Mira? I'd love to hear your opinion about it. Mira Mira is kind of a soft, soft pink and soft yellow, and we kind of named it Mira Mira because it's obviously a play on uh, on uh, the, the colors kind of reflecting off each other. And then obviously mirror, mirror means to look, to look. So that was why we named that one in particular. But just a perfectly simultaneously flowering combination of a soft pink with white edges with the soft yellow with white edges. Really nice, spectacular, big Darwin hybrid tulips that kind of flower. We call it mid-season. So just a, just a beautiful combination. Really nice. Thanks so much. I'm so glad to hear that because I think that's just a really beautiful tulip. And I, I think it'll work really well in our very... Um, kind of dark garden. I think it'll brighten it up nicely, hopefully. Um, my next one that, again, I'm kind of on this pastel kick, but I just think it's so dreamy. It looks so romantic and beautiful, and I think it'd make a really beautiful cut flower arrangement, too, is that pillow talk. And I also chose it because it's a little bit later blooming from what I saw in the catalog, and I'm really trying to extend the color in my garden, the season of color. What do you think about that, Tim? Pillow Talk is, uh, I believe, double late tulips and also kind of a, a, a pink-yellow combination. Um, and prefer, you know, the double tulips, again, I would say try and keep them in uh, full sun because it keeps the flowers drier and also it keeps the flowers standing more upright. And uh, just a beautiful kind of white, white uh, a pink with some white in it and then a, a very soft yellow kind of yellow with peach tones in the flower, beautiful double. And also the the tulips are uh, are clones of each other or they're sister and brother. So they flower literally perfectly simultaneously at the perfect same height. So a really nice combination. That's really interesting that um, pillow talk, that they're clones of each other. I had no idea. But I think I need to probably put that in a little sunnier patch in my garden because my garden's so shady. So I'll definitely look to try to give it a little bit more sun. Um, what do you think about my next pick, Akibono? I thought that was such a gorgeous tulip, and I've never tried it. What do you think about that, Tim? It's kind of a double. It's interesting. It's a double tulip, but I believe it has 
big Darwin hybrid blood in it. So it kind of flowers earlier, and it's this kind of yellow with flushes of kind of peach in the flower, but a big, beautiful double that stands up. It's very, you know, it has a nice sturdy stem. It can hold this big flower, probably flowers about 20, 24 inches tall, just a super tulip. Wow, that sounds gorgeous. I'm really excited to trial that in my garden this year. That sounds beautiful. Uh, my next pick, Angelique, is one that I have grown and just love. Angelique has uh, been around for a long time. It's a double late tulip, so it's like a peony flowering, two flowers that, that look like a peony, and it's got pink and white in the flower. It's been around now a long time, and it's turning that uh, it used to be more full pink. And as a tuler gets older in its lifespan, I think it's better, I don't know how many years, maybe 30 years or something like that, it's starting to lose some of its coloration. So, uh, but still, still quite a beautiful tulip. I think most people who know anything about tulips know Angelique. And also, uh, I would plant that in full sun. And, uh, uh, well, the pink colors, this one, it might not be bad to get it in a little bit of uh, dappled shade because the color will, the color will show up a little better. But also, very nice tulip. Well, it's great to hear that Angelique likes dappled shade because I sure have plenty of that in our garden. We have a lot of shade, but I do have a good location that has some dappled shade. Um, and I love it. I think it's a beautiful flower. My next one, the avalanche, um, I chose because it's a, the daffodil is just adorable. I'm a huge heirloom junkie. I love heirloom seeds and heirloom bulbs, so I love history behind um, flowers, too. Plus, as a benefit, I saw that it's really good in the South. So, you know, for me, that's, that's a big plus. So what do you think about avalanche, Tim? Uh, avalanche is a, it's kind of an old tulip. I think dates back to like 1906 from England, I believe. It's a Tazetta daffodil. Did I say tulip? I you said tulip. tulip. Okay, it's a Tazetta daffodil. It has a lot of stems, and then each stem has something like 20 small flowers. It's super fragrant. For your climate, which is possibly Minnesota, we wouldn't recommend it because Tazettas are probably better in southern climates. So I would say don't plant this in a, in a northern garden, say anywhere north of, uh, uh, say, central Indiana, something like that. That's good to know. Say, uh, it's more of a southern daffodil. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, I've grown that in the past and I'm in Connecticut and I don't think it's come back. So that yeah. makes sense. I would say I would say if you're in Minnesota or cold parts of Connecticut, forget it. Don't don't use it. It can do okay, but if you get a cold cold winter, then you're in trouble. Mm. So okay. uh, like a moderate winter, you'll be all right. But in general, you know, we, we recommend it as a southern daffodil, something like Virginia and South, something like that. Well, and Susan, uh, you're the writer in this group. Did you pick up the fact that uh, the name of that was Avalanche? No. And it can't handle, <laughs> and it can't handle the cold. I find that extremely ironic. Oh, oh, oh! I'm just, yeah. Like, like, well, I, yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, I was like, Emily, that sounds like snow. But I, I keep flipping through, and I'm like, that is so pretty. Julie picked these really soft, pretty flowers. Yeah, she. So look, she was on the pink, the pink and uh, yellow tones for sure. Yeah, really pretty. Awesome. Tim, you caught me. All of my tulip selections are kind of uh, girly girl with all the pastels and the light colors, but I'm a sucker for pastels and tulips. Um, and you all can just be a jealous of me when I'm growing, growing avalanche. I'll send you pictures of it from my southern garden. So oh, we will I'll be. I'll make sure you guys can, are jealous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Tim, then uh, my next thing that I wanted to ask you was, 
you know, I'm a big sucker for growing flowers for bouquets. I think there's nothing better than having fresh flowers inside. And I even have a cutting garden because then I get kind of stressed out about cutting my pretty tulips and daffodils that are in the landscape. So I just wondered, what are your favorite bulbs for cutting? What are your what are your top choices for really using for um, floral bouquets? Uh, I mean, if you wanted to pick one that where you just have a nice vase, I think the lily the lily flowering tulips look nice in vases. I mean, if you want to just mix colors like big ups, that that would be a good one. The double tulips are also very nice. Just I really I really believe all tulips are fine as cut flowers. I mean. If you're a grower, the varieties that we sell, uh, if you're, say, a cut flower, well, you know what, here's, all right, maybe it's like our French tulips, those would be the best for cut flowers, the big, tall French tulips. Then I would say, all right, do those. French blend and French blend rose. When you, usually when you see kind of the expensive tulips at florists and they call them French tulips, those would be the ones that you would plant as a cut flower. But as far as, like, I could get technical where, there's varieties that are better for cut flowers because cut flower growers need certain characteristics from a tulip because they need to get it to grow it at a certain speed and they don't want it to be too big because they have to put it in a box and ship it. But if you're growing your own tulips in your backyard and you want to put them in a vase, any, any tulip is great because you're cutting it and you're bringing it right into your house and putting it into a vase. You just, it'll be more spectacular than, any, than anything you've ever seen. All of them. It's just a fresh tulip. There's nothing like it. That's great to know. You know, I love lily flowering tulips. I think they're just, I love the structure of them. I think they're so elegant. But I didn't know that about French tulips, Tim. So I'll definitely look into that more, too. Thanks so much. Um, and then to kind of segue to kind of go along with the whole cutting, what do you think about um, the best bulbs or the best ways to force bulbs in a greenhouse situation? I, I'm kind of lucky and I do have a, two greenhouses. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, first off, you need you have to plant them in a pot, give them a drink of water, and then they need at least 16 weeks of sub uh, temperatures between, say, 35 and 45. They have to go through a cold period. They have to the tulips. You have to do it for a cold period. They need to go through that dormancy period. So you have to first they have to plant them. They go on the root, and then they sit cold for about uh, 16 weeks. And then when you bring them into the greenhouse, you know, don't bring them into superheat, but bring them slowly into the greenhouse. Bring them in at, you know, 55 or 60 degrees and then just force them into flower. But the cold requirement is the most important. And you can't, you can't get the bulbs in October and then keep them in the refrigerator till end of February and then plant them. They need to go on the root because otherwise the bulb... If it's sitting dry, it hasn't been on the root, and it starts to desiccate. It starts to dry out. When you put it in a pot and you give it a drink of water, it sends out roots right away. And then once you give it the cold, then it stops growing for those cold weeks, and it satisfies the cold requirement. And then you would bring it into the greenhouse after those 16 weeks of cold temperatures. Okay, Tim, I've got to ask you. So this term on the root, that is when the bulb has started to have some roots growing. Is that what you're meaning? Correct. Yeah. You'll, you'll notice as soon as you plant a bulb, when they get some moisture, uh, they'll start sending roots and cold temperatures. They'll start sending roots out right away. So usually when when you plant tulips in the fall, they'll, they'll start root growth at about 48 degrees. And then when a forcer grows tulips, they, they put it in, they put they plant the bulbs in the pots, and then they put it into cooling at 48 degrees, and then the tulips sent tons of roots out into the bottom of the pot. 
and then as soon as the, the root growth, and then they get a little bit of green, and then then they bring the temperatures down to hold it at, a, at that at for those so many weeks at that cool temperature, and then they bring it out into the greenhouse. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tim, thank you. I guess I know what I've been doing wrong now, so now I'll know how to uh, get my bulbs to actually grow in the winter. So um, I'm really excited. I really appreciate that information. Yeah. Well, here we go. So let's see. Now I will do my picks. I'll share with you my picks. And I tried to somewhat stay with picks that had tall names. So my first one, (laughs) I mean, come on. I might as well have fun. I went with the theme. Uh, (laughs) And the first one was Gentle Giants. A combination of what are known as impression tulips, which are big Darwin hybrids. They flower slightly earlier with other Darwin hybrids, but it's all kind of in pink, uh, light pink, dark pink, light apricot, dark dark apricot tones. So they're all one family. They all kind of bloom simultaneously together, and then they're all little uh, 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 variations on within the within the colors within the family. I think there's four four different varieties in that mix. So super super mm. big, like big giant big tulips. I think some some of the biggest tulips that you can plant as far as flowering in the spring and tallness and the size of the flower. All right. You're speaking my language. Those are pretty. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All basketball families and football families should be planting gentle giants, apparently. That's right. Okay. How about big ups that, you know what, isn't that, uh, that's one of the, uh, images that, uh, is featured on your website. I noticed as well. Correct. It's, um, just a, an all kind of an all color mix, but a kind of a controlled controlled color. It's not every color, but colors that are kind of complementary to each other. And it's also big Darwin hybrid tulips and just a big party of all different colors, but within within a kind of controlled color range. So it goes from whites to yellows to soft pinks to dark pinks to oranges to reds to uh, uh, orange blushes to uh, to soft yellow to pure white. It's really just a beautiful combination. I mean, we do a lot of uh, combinations where it's like this color with that color, but this is also a nice party. This is a fun, really just a fun, happy combination. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say the happy part because when I uh, was thinking about these, I was going to cite them in front of my uh, porch, and I that's uh, that was my reaction is, oh, man, these are just happy little guys. So that's correct, perfect. Correct, The big party. That's right. Well, the next one is ballet class, and I, I really was had my heart set on that Maybelline, and then I saw ballet class. Tell me all uh, about it. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and then I stole it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ballet class is um, it's a combination of uh, an orange uh, lily flowering tulip, orange with uh, lily flowering ones are with kind of pointed flowers. They're not your traditional tulip, and then it's uh, with this kind of a soft pink with a white edge tulip and uh, just just pink and orange. You'd be surprised. You know, you don't think it would work, but it really works nicely. And it, this one kind of, it opens up, it starts orange, which, which is the first tulip, and then that starts to get into peak form, and then the, the pink tulip comes on, and then it, so it starts out orange, then goes to pink and orange, and then the pink tulip is one of the later flowering, latest flowering pinks that there are. Then the pink flowering one hangs on, so you got got a kind of a, Kind of a triple show, orange to pink and orange, and then the finale with pink. Really, just beautiful, just beautiful, really nice. 
And then uh, number four for me was Big Eartha. Big Eartha is uh, also an impression. It's an impression tulip with but just a big, straight, big, giant, straight pink tulip. And we actually call it Big Eartha because we ship these kind of jumbo-sized bulbs. So everything about it is just massive. So probably, you know, at least 24 inches tall. The flower is probably three, four, or five inches tall. It's just a big, strong Darwin hybrid. It's season flowering. Just, to, just, and also if you can, you know, leave it alone and let the foliage die back and keep it dry where it's planted in the summer, and uh, it should be able to come back a few years for you. Okay, that's good. I'll look for Big Eartha. I'll, right. I have to cite her. I have to think about where I'm putting her because I want her to. Okay. I do want her to come back, so that'll be great. Okay. And the last one was okay. I say Vera Chic, but I might be yeah. pronouncing it wrong. I think it, some people say Vera Chic. Some people say Vera Chic, but Vera Chic is right. It's um, known as a Veritiflora tulip. But it's got the name Vera Chic, which is kind of close to it. But um, Veritifloras tend to be uh, uh, also very. They have a little bit of a wild form, and then sometimes there's a lot of green in the flower. And uh, it's a lily flowering shape also. This one, it's kind of cool because it's also one of the latest flowering tulips that there are. So when everything is done, there's there's very chic still flowering. So it's so a super tulip also. Okay. So, Tim, I guess my questions, I'm going to take the opportunity to ask uh, some viewer questions uh, because we solicited uh, questions from our still-growing listener community. And uh, one person asked, can you start them in pots? And if so, when would be a good time to plant them in the pots? You can only start them in pots if you can make sure that they have the, the 16 weeks of cold. So uh, you can put them in pots, give them a drink, and then bury the pots. But you can't, you can't get put, as soon as you get the bulb, plant it in a pot, and then put it in your house. They have to go through the winter the winter dormancy period. They have to go through, you know, November, December, January, February, March. They need a winter cold. So I know you can't really start them in pots. You can force tulips, which means what we talked about uh, previously, which was how do you force tulips? But then they, you know you plant them in pots, you put them into cooling, you keep them in cooling for 16 weeks, and then you bring them out into warm temperatures and then start giving them water and forcing them to come into bloom. But you can't really start tulips in pots. No, I would say, no, you can't do that. And if you are in Minnesota or another area where you have a very cold winter, do they need to be below ground level? Um, Can they be in a pot above ground level? Correct. You can't, you can't keep, you can't put them in a pot and then put it out on your patio and have it sit out on the backyard because those temperature extremes during the winter that goes from, you know, in the sunlight, 35 degrees, and then it freezes like a rock at zero degrees. And it does that day after day after day. That freezing and thawing is going to just basically heave the pot, and tear at the roots, and basically crush the bulb. When the bulb's in the ground, five, six inches down, it's still getting some, uh, it gets a more even temperature because of the, you know, the warmth from the earth. So the temperatures stay more even, and so that's obviously better for the bulb. But no, you can't, you can't plant them in the pots and then put that pot in your backyard and then and then come back to it in springtime and hope that something's going to happen. The freeze will kill the freeze will kill the bulbs. All right. Well, there you go. Kristen Larson yeah. Anderson now knows that uh, her uh, scenario of planting in containers to avoid the go- gophers is not going to work. Correct. Unless you 
you can bury all the containers. Unless you can bury all the containers. That's right. Correct. And maybe yeah. electrify the rim of the pot. I had tried that with uh, daffodils a couple of years ago, and it, it didn't work. I was so hopeful, and nothing came up. Yeah, yeah I, I tried it too. <laughs> you, can, yeah. I mean, you can have winters that are that are mild, and then you get away with it. But uh, you know, usually it doesn't work. Yeah. Oh, we are optimists, aren't we? Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, Maria Jones asked, "Would you please ask how to plant and grow snowdrops? I'm in Zone Four B." And I've tried for years to grow them, but they only last one season. Now, snowdrops are, a, a, for us, a really extremely difficult bulb to handle because they don't like being handled as a bulb. The best time to get snowdrops to thrive is to actually uh, buy them when they're in the green. I think there's a few people in the United States that sell them. So in other words, in springtime when they're blooming, dig them up and then you replant them in the spring. And that's how you would get more uh, snowdrops going. As a bulb form, it's very difficult to usually they either get stressed out as a bulb and then you, they do okay the first year and then they're, they're done. But uh, I'm not sure what climate that reader is coming from, but they're not really a good bulb in the south. And then I think snowdrops will struggle in extremely super cold winters too. So they're more particular about their about their climate than you think. They kind of like a western exposure where it's kind of moist and kind of shady. So it's kind of woodlandsy with a western exposure that's not too dry and not too wet. So they're they can be a little they can be a little uh, persnickety on conditions. A little temperamental. Well, if she's in zone four B, <laughs> then she's uh you know, then she's a Minnesota gardener probably. And yeah. um, again, the irony. Susan, because, you know, it's a little insulting. They name these things snow avalanche drop, right? and snowdrops, and they can't handle the cold. <laughs> I would, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of uh, people who love snowdrops. Are, they're, they're known as galanthophiles. Galanthus is the name of the plant. And I think there's a whole bunch of information out there now on the uh, online about, you know, learning about it. And I think you can find, uh, you know, sources for if she really wants to get into snowdrops, there's a whole bunch of people out there that are really into it. It might be worth if she wants to really find out. My guess is she will, they will, might give her that, that the, the Minnesota environment can be pretty tough for them. But yeah. She's going to be, uh, she's going to be listing her house. She's okay. going to be listing. <laughs> she's right. going to have to, right. she's going to have to go West. Um, okay. Well, here's a question from Karen Gallagher. <laughs> and she said, I've been told that there is a variety of daffodil that I can grow in my never cold yard here in Florida. If it exists, I would love to know. I have zero interest in overwintering any bulbs in my fridge. So what do we do for Karen? Is there such a thing? We have, let me think here, we have something, there's a big difference between, say, the panhandle of Florida and, and southern Florida. There's actually a book out there called Daffodils in Florida. I believe that's the name of the book. I don't know if I could lay one, you know, Avalanche might be one that'll do okay in Florida. Um, let me think, Avalanche would be the only one. Maybe paper whites would do okay down there. Paper white sivas, they might they might come back every year. I would try those two varieties, avalanche 
and uh, paperwhites and see how they do for you. Okay. And then look up, look up. There's a book written by somebody. Uh, I don't remember the name. Sorry about that, but it's either Daff Growing Daffodils in Florida or Daffodils for the South. And they have some good recommendations for daffodils in Florida. All right. We'll track it down, and we'll put it in our yeah. show notes for this episode. Okay. That's great advice. Right. Okay, and then this is a question from the mother of one of my daughter's good friends, and she says, are there any that grow well in mostly shade? She would be a four, Zone 4B Minnesota gardener, and she says, I'm trying to find something I can plant by my mailbox. So again, we've got to consider snow being heaped by the mailbox and probably yep. some salt as well. And then she says, uh, the big tree in our front yard now shades that area. It doesn't get a lot of rain either due to the tree branches. Any ideas welcome? Anything, right? Any bulb that you plant in the fall, right? It wasn't like uh, a daffodil, right? Yep. She just wants something that'll grow in the shade. She's planting in tree roots, so she can't plant bigger bulbs because they got to go down three, four, five inches. So she needs to plant smaller bulbs. And I would say something like the squills, blue squill, glory of the snow, Shenandoxa, blue squill, glory of the snow, maybe Spanish bluebells, uh, maybe white squill, and maybe, uh, say, trout lily. Those would be the kind of four I would recommend. Okay. Well, and I do love squill. Yeah. And once they get going, if you can leave them alone, once they get a little bit established, they're pretty special. Yeah, there's something else. I had a a vision one time I was going to plant nothing but blue squill along my water feature. I have this uh, river, and I just thought, oh, wouldn't that be so beautiful? So that's something I have yet to act on. You can sometimes, when you're driving around, where we're in Connecticut, but you drive around in the springtime, and sometimes you you look on, and every once in a while you see these big trees, and then underneath those trees, it's just a carpet of blue in the springtime, and that's either blue squill or uh, glory of the snow. Wow. So peeps, it, it can be done. Now, is glory of the snow a squill? Uh, it's a Shinodoxa, actually. Oh. It's a Kianodoxa. Kianodoxa huh. lucilea. Interesting. So last question is from Deb Brando Ackerman, and she said, I had voles last year destroy a small garden with bulbs planted among a healthy bed of hostas. And this year, very few hostas came up and no bulbs. Very disappointing. What should I do? Uh, I would, I would. Uh, Sounds like my yard. I, I, I would, daffodils. I would plant daffodils. Exactly. <laughs> really. I, mean, uh, I would plant daffodils. Don't, don't, don't try and uh, uh, outsmart the voles. It'll, it'll never happen. Just okay. plant daffodils and nothing will touch them, nothing will eat them. Including deer. Including deer, correct. Yeah, that's right. And Tim, you guys have something pretty special that you've done in your location to kind of feature all the amazing bulbs that you offer. We actually, we always, uh, well, I always wanted to have a display garden of everything that we have, kind of uh, a living catalog to show people. So uh, in where, where our warehouse is located, we were able to buy a, uh, a piece of land, about a half acre piece of land in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We're able to... Uh, Went and planted, we've planted now about 40,000, 50,000 bulbs on the property. So it's kind of a living catalog. And you know, we ended up getting land and we ended up getting this kind of Victorian house. We were able to purchase it in the sword sale. So we have this big, it's actually a Georgian revival house that we renovated. So we're, when the garden is open during the spring, uh, which is free, you can come walk through the garden and then go tour the house for the, for the two months, say, it's usually all of, all of April and early May. 
we have kind of an open house and an open garden where people can uh, come and visit and see everything that we offer. It's called uh, Color Blends House in Spring Garden. In Spring Garden. Yes. And uh, did you say the dates or the times that it's open? Yeah, I mean, you know, spring comes at different times of the year. We can't predict it, but I would say basically, uh, you know, for April 1 to something like May 15th is kind of the the period that we're open, those six weeks. Okay, and then like an 8 to 5 thing for visitors? Uh, Visitors, yeah, the garden's open all day, and then we have the house open. The house is open from 10 to 4, and it's free to visit the garden, and uh, we're pretty close to the Interstate 95 here in Connecticut. Well, add it to your spring travel list if you're in that area. Add it, it to your to list. Be here, stop by. Yeah, I know. I want right. well, to get. We usually keep uh, <laughs> we usually keep uh, up to date, like what's flowering or what's going on on Facebook. So that keeps you know here's what's going on. Oh, you got a you have a good Facebook really good page. Week. Facebook page, Colorblind House and Spring Garden. Yes. Oh, that's great. And Jen, you're oh. close enough. You could go check it out, couldn't you? Yes. Yep, definitely. Yeah, and I I've actually meant to go the last two. I think it's two years now that you've had it, right? Correct. Um, yeah. yeah, and I also photograph spring college track, so usually that takes up my weekend. So I'm going to have to be really dedicated to get down there this year, but it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. Watch Facebook, and it kind of gives you when when things people say when, when's the peak time, and I'm like, there's always something peaking every day. So it's it's hard to yeah. it's hard to like pick one day where everything is everything is happening because it starts out with crocus and then it goes. It's kind of a rolling display, so there's no real single peak day. I would say, yeah, late late April is probably the best time. Late April, early May. Okay, I'm on your website, right on your Facebook page right now, and oh my God, this place is gorgeous. Yeah, it's a pretty cool house. Yeah, it's, oh Bridge, my. it's Bridgeport, Connecticut now. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm gonna I gotta come back to Connecticut. Oh my right. God, this is stunning. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time I see you post those pictures, I'm like, oh, why do I? Why haven't I gone yet? <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. wrong with you? Why haven't you gone? <laughs> I don't know. I it, it, it's, it's interesting that it, it, it takes a while for something like that to get into people's like to, to get it to fit it into their schedule to be able to make it there. So that's yeah, we we're it's going to take a while for it to build. We feel. Wow. Well, I think I think 2017 is going to be the year. I can okay. feel it. All right. All right. We'll have to welcome Matt out for you. Portland, Portland, come on down. Yeah, have have Jen, have Jen show up there, and she'll put it on her garden blog, Frau Zinni. That'll right. be great. Okay. Yeah, I could do a live video, too. It'll be great. Right. <laughs> we'll plan it. It'll be a date. <laughs> and then and Susan and I will pour ourselves a glass of wine and watch that video. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> we'll have a bottle here for you when you show up. There you go. Tim, what did we miss? What are some of the the things in the catalog that you'd like to draw our attention to? Um, I think it's more, uh, if it's in our catalog, it's usually pretty good because it went through a lot of, it it took a lot to get in there. I think usually what I I see people doing is uh, they say, all right, I'm going to plant bulbs this year. And then they feel like 
they have to do the whole yard. You know, they're going to do bulbs this year and they're going to get it done and they won't ever have to do it again in their life. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, then all of a sudden they either order too many bulbs and then they can't handle it or they get, you know, their back gets things and or their back gets tired and they're exhausted and they spent too much money and they didn't get everything planted. So if I could tell people one thing, it would be just do a little bit every year. Just pick one little area and then you'll also learn because you're going to make mistakes in planting stuff there or planting too many or you didn't have enough or you planted in the wrong area. So it's always like just take small bites. We, I always kind of tell, tell our customers we'd rather hear from you once a year for five years than once every five years. So do a little bit, plant some here, or treat the treat your yard like a room. I'm going to do this room this year, or I'm going to do these couple rooms this year because I have the budget and I have the time, and my back has you know this much power to get it done. And then next year I'm going to do this room, and then the next year I'm going to do that room. Don't try and plant your whole yard in one year. That would be that's that to me that's the biggest piece of advice. Okay, I, can tell people. I love that. I I love that. Yeah. Very pragmatic uh, yeah. from the bulb company. Uh, to your ears, listeners, take take that advice. Pace yourself. Pace yourself. Well, how yeah. can still growing listeners order bulbs from Color Blends? And they should not be afraid of the fact that it says wholesale on the catalog, right? You know, we don't sell bulbs at five or ten at a time. We sell them at twenty-five or a hundred at a time, and uh, we basically only have a sixty-dollar minimum. So most people can hit that pretty quickly, and uh, you can order online at colorblends.com. Or you can call us, uh, you can go to the website and request a catalog, and we'll send you a catalog pretty quickly within 10 days. Or you can call toll-free, and we can also ask for a catalog. Yeah, it's pretty easy to order from us, I think. Or call us up and talk to the people. Everybody here is pretty knowledgeable about bulbs. We have a really good team who's, uh, you know, they've talked to a lot of people, and they understand what you're, what you're trying to do. Wow. And Tim, if people want to get a hold of you directly, how can they do that? Call one 847 8637 Okay, that's fantastic. And do you have an email that you want to share with us? I would say uh, mail it to info at colorblends.com because then we can, you know, depending on what type of question it is, it can be routed directly to the right person who can handle it. Oh, that's a good idea. Now, I, I have a personal question for you, Tim, and that is this time of year for you guys when people yeah. are ordering bulbs, is it the equivalent of what the turkey people go through at Thanksgiving when people are trying to cook their turkeys? Absolutely. Yeah. For us, it's, uh, yeah, everything comes in at once and then everything's got to go out in about, you know, 12 weeks, 11, 10, 11 weeks. You know, we start, we start Minnesota first leaves and then we work our way down, down the climate zone structures of Minnesota and then all of a sudden Chicago area and then out West. And then, so we work our way down the country and we're finished. Uh, and then finally Atlanta, Georgia and places like that in the South, we deliver and, late December or sometimes early January. So we keep going pretty much from the first day of fall till, uh, till New Year's essentially just shipping the whole country. Wow. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like the Christmas rush or it's the Thanksgiving rush. Yeah. It's busy. Wow. Well, I tell you what, from the bottom of our bulbs to the tips of our tulips, we are so <laughs> thankful for the time you spent with us today. Uh, Am uh, I right? Am I right, ladies? Are we just so thankful? Oh, yeah. Tim? I really appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. It's great. It's great. It's great. 
That's great. Well, that's it for the show today. I want to thank so many people for helping make this show a reality. First and foremost, Tim Shipper of Color Blends. Wasn't that just fantastic? I tell you what, for him to sit and go through the catalog with us with our top 20 choices and then some, that was so very special. I need to thank Jen McGinnis of the blog Frau Zinni. Without Jen, the show wouldn't have happened because Jen suggested that we hone in on Color Blends and Van England, two companies that she's ordered from for years. And that's why those two are the two catalogs that we picked. And boy, she certainly picked two great catalogs. Julie Thompson Adolph, I couldn't have found a bigger bulb lover to be part of this episode. And so lovely. She blogs at Garden Delights. Please check out Julie's blog. And then fellow podcaster and gardener, Susan Vollenweider. I reached out to her in a Facebook group for podcasters, and she right away was so willing to help out with any group show with gardeners. So I can't thank Susan enough. Her podcast is the History Chicks podcast. She produces that with her partner in crime, Beckett Graham, and she's also a columnist for the Kansas City Star. And then last but not least, Sally Ferguson, because Sally really helped pave the way and helped me coordinate this show that has so many moving parts. And she also was responsible for coming up with the giveaway for the Still Growing listeners. And don't forget that everybody has a chance to win those 100 bulb gift sets. There's five of them of the spring-loaded daffodil blend. In order to win that, you've got to go over to the Still Growing listener community. So go to Facebook and search Still Growing Podcast Group and then click to join. Right now, there's only 40 people in there. So you have a great chance of winning one of these bulb gift sets. I also need to thank Podfly Productions. They're my team that helps get my show out every single week. So I need to thank David Myers, I'm Kadena, and David Gregerson. And just a reminder that you can find all the info about today's show on my website at sixfootmama.com. I'll have the show notes from today. All of the bulbs that we discussed will be in the show notes as well as some of the anecdotal things that Tim shared. In addition to uh, the new Zazzle store where we're having all of our still growing merchandise offered. We've got the team tulip t-shirts and the team daffodil t-shirts. So order the shirts, have your own spring bulb party. Don't forget there's going to be a PDF that I'll have on the website with tips and ideas and suggestions so you can have as much fun as we did. And I'll be using it too for my personal spring bulb party with garden friends at my house next week. Speaking of next week, the party continues with Joanne Vandenberg Ohms of John Sheepers, Van England, and Kitchen Garden Seeds. So I hope that you'll tune in next week. And in the meantime, have fun ordering your bulbs from Color Blends. Still Growing with Jennifer Ebling is a sixfootmama.com production made in lovely Maple Grove, Minnesota. Still Growing is a weekly gardening podcast dedicated to helping you and your garden grow.